welcome to the Cycle Systems Academy podcast. Last week we talked about winterising your own bike, um, but while we're going to talk about dedicated winter solutions this week, there's a really interesting article that you found from uh, 2013 on, on Bike Radar, Sean, about how UK pros winterproof their bike. And there's some surprising and, and notes of surprising stuff in there. Yeah, it, it's quite interesting, isn't it? We've got you know the real traditional mud guards and making your own mud flaps and stuff. Right through to, no, I just ride the same bike and jet wash it every week. And, I mean, the one thing that gets me, and we talked about it last week, and one of our chums, Spokey Doke blog, said exactly the same thing. It's not just your bike, it's the disrespect for other riders. So unless you're riding on your own, I think it's actually actually selfish not to put mudguards on. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, Luke Rowe, for example, he's he's riding this same dogma all through the winter, and... He's got people to clean it, and he's probably sort of training uh, behind a scooter or what have you anyway. But, yeah, it was interesting yesterday on the club run. I was uh, looking for people with mud guards to sit on the wheel of. Yeah, and uh, the thing about Luke Rowe and all of these pros as well, uh, compared to decent club folk, is they're riding so many kilometres in the same position. It actually makes a huge amount of sense for them to have the same bike so that they don't get injuries through, you know, even relatively small changes in, in their contact points. Yeah, that's actually something I was going to bring up, is that if you are going to get yourself a winter bike, it's really critical that you do replicate the position on the contact points, you know, from your standard bike. So it's another reason to have a bike fit. I know we've hammered on about it before, but it's just so easy to print off your bike um, fit data and make sure that everything's in the same place. And even go as far as using the same um, shape of components, you know, handlebars, essentially they're like anything in a bike. You're paying more to get uh, lighter weight tubing that they're made out of and and that sort of thing. You can often go down the range and get the same shape in a heavier alloy um, because the contact points, even if you measure them, you know, the certain bend of a handlebar, whether it's a shallow drop or a deep drop, brand a saddle, all that kind of thing you should try and match as well. You know, go that extra step and you're far less likely to have any injuries or any problems when you go back onto your race bike. Yeah. Now, let's move on to what this show's about, which is the dedicated winter bike. Um, there's a number of ways that you can approach it. Um, in my day, what you did was your best bike had mudguards shoehorned onto it, usually with P-clips and uh, you know much swearing, and that became your winter bike. Um, or a lot of people had essentially an Odax machine, which was their winter bike. But there's a whole range of stuff now which you can buy, which is suited to not just winter, maybe some gravel riding and that sort of thing. So let's take a look at the, the, the routes to it. We'll talk about completely built-up bikes in a minute, but the classic in Britain, I mean, as, as a retailer, is the Kinesis, which uh, I think it's the TK3 is the current one, which you yeah. can build up into a cracking winter bike for really not very much money. Yeah, the Kinesis are a really good value and um, comes through upgrades that are, are great importers. I mean, they're building the complete bikes to a price point, you know, and anything that's built to a price point, there's often going to be compromises. And we found those have been on wheel quality, for example, at times, you know, sold quite a few of them. So I'd always recommend people um, go with the frames, get a Kinesis frame and then build up from there. And um, if you can build your own wheels, build your own wheels, all the better. But it's just absolutely great to be able to have the option as well to choose the equipment. And this is going to mean you're more certain to be able to replicate the bar width and the stem length, etc. So in order to match with your main bike. 
the one thing I would say, and um, we'll talk about, um, you know, what, what wheels will come with complete bikes later, is the one thing I've been really disappointed with is there seems to be a, an assumption that the best wheels now are always going to be machine built. You know, you see people saying use cheaper fulcrums for the winter and that sort of thing. I still think the best solution is a decent set of hand built wheels. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, again, on the club run yesterday, a guy, the right leader actually, he had a um, spoke brake on, on the final burn up at the end. And if you've got a completely standard hand built wheel set, it's very easy just to straighten it out. But if you've got something quite flash, um, you know, I'm thinking of one particular brand where you've got a nipple at the hub and at the rim. Mm-hmm. There's not so much that you can do when you're out in the field. Yeah, I mean, completely. And, you know, they're going to be stronger, they're going to be easier to clean you know, because, you know, they're traditional hubs um, and, and spokes. And you can take them to just about any bike shop and get them fixed. You know, as opposed to having a special order of spoke which has to come from, you know, Belgium or Italy or wherever, uh, which can have you off the bike for ages. And the cheap wheels from people like, um, you know, Shimano, what is it, the R540s, the old kind of classic, um, they're just, they're not very nice wheels. For roughly the same money, you can get a really nicely nicely built set of wheels from a, a local shop. Yeah, yeah, some 105 hubs, some, you know, fairly standard spokes, an open program, it's not at all expensive and... You know, I've, I've ridden those all through many, many winters. Now, one thing which we talked about at the very start of this uh, whole podcast season was disc brakes. Yeah. Um, most traditional winter bikes, to, to accommodate a mudguard, will need a, a deeper drop brake, you know, down to maybe a 57mm um, drop. But we're seeing loads of these complete bikes come with uh, disc brakes. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it... As we've said, it is an inevitable progression. And some of them, um, like you mentioned, the Rally Maverick comp recently, and you know, you look at the website, it's shown with knobbly tyres. So obviously these bikes often are going to be aimed at real multi-use, so gravel riding, so even touring, cyclocross racing, etc. So there's going to be time, such as in cross racing, real hardcore off-road riding, where the disc brakes are going to be great. But I've still not seen um, the road hydraulic discs anyway really come up with the goods yet. There's not, just not enough of them out there, and um, I'm gonna I'm sort of gonna wait and see. And I'm sure Shimano are gonna solve it. Uh, you're not so much gonna worry about aerodynamics in the winter, and that of course is the prop the one problem that no one can seem to talk around in mm-hmm. terms of road discs. But everything else in terms of Shimano doing the testing with riders with big weight vests on their hydraulic discs, etc., seems to be that they are really working on that to make sure the fluid doesn't boil out on these long descents on the road where your brakes might be on quite a lot. But in terms of you know bad weather riding, they've got a lot of advantages. But the jury's still out. I mean, mechanical disc brakes I find pretty appalling. You know, pads wear quickly, wooden feeling. I'd much rather bend a rim brake than those. Yeah, I mean, I'm exactly the same, and it brings us to one of the big questions about a winter bike, is you're going to spend hours and hours on this thing, you know, it's when you get your solid miles in to base your entire season around, so, you know, you might be doing 20, 25 hours a week on the bike, so you don't want to be riding crap, you know, you need to be riding something that's decent, but you don't want to be spending more on your winter bike than you do on your summer bike. So, you know, adding discs of decent quality, you know, hydraulic discs uh, as, as they develop will inevitably up the cost, whereas a standard caliper does the job well and it's actually pretty cheap. Yeah, exactly that. 
So, what have you seen that's interested you in complete bikes? In terms of complete bikes, uh, as well as the Kinesis, um, the the other British sort of club classic is the Ribble, you know, sort of winter training bikes mm-hmm. and you all over. And the great thing is you can get those 705 alloy frames for as little as £90 at retail, or you've got a bike builder on the Ribble website. And this is what I particularly like, because you can just get one whole bike, you don't have to build it up yourself if you've not got the time or, you know, the inclination to do that. You can choose the headset, the group set, you can choose the size of the cassette, the crank length. It's a brilliant bike builder for a nice, cheap winter hat. You can get mud guards on there. So I'd say it's still a very, very good value option in terms of being able to have a completely custom bike. I think before Kinesis, Ribble were the one you saw all over the place in group rides in the winter. Yeah. You know, because they were in the pages of the comic and you had to phone them up to do the build as opposed to do it conveniently on the, the website. And, you know, Ribble aren't a sponsor for this. But they're the one that certainly sticks in your mind and they're still there. And then similarly, a, a really popular frame that I've seen in a bucket of places when I've been out and about is Dolan, um, both in high-end performance bikes. And they seem to have moved into this kind of Ribble area as well. Yeah, you've got the Prefisio aluminium road bike and... A lot of these companies are sourcing frames through Didachai, you know, Dolan, Condor, Riddle, you know, a lot of them are using the same frame sets. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Proficio, you've got room for mud guards, um, you know, they're saying it's even good for sort of light touring as well. It's the same, probably the same to play five aluminium frames, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, they're very reasonable. You can build up a decent bike for, you know, un- well under a thousand pounds. I mean, you, you see them starting at kind of 499, 599. Um, at the really cheap end, actually, where I've seen in Peebles a lot of traction is from uh, the the new bikes from Decathlon. I mean, Scott got one for his son, 399 quid. It was better than any winter bike I had when I was racing. Yeah, I, I mean... Wheels, I, I mean, you, you need to throw away the wheels and build your own on that, to be honest. But, yeah. uh, you know, if, if you are actually looking for something just to ride into the ground, uh, you, you could do worse. I mean, we are living in a time where... What we can get for our money is probably better than at any point in cycling history. I mean, we've said this on the show many times before when talking about individual components. Yeah, it is. It's a real golden age in that term. A nice example, um, sort of slightly up in the price, but again, in terms of value, is the Condor Fratello. And this is a bike when I lived in London, I'd see again and again and again. And you see people out in the summer really sort of hairing round on them. You see people commuting to work with a rack and um, the panniers. In fact, a couple of my neighbours both had one. And you see them, you know, go through the winter with mud guards for a good solid training. And it's a lovely, fairly modern-looking steel frame. You can yeah. build, build up pretty much how you want. That's actually brings me to another point. What do you make them out of? I mean, I've always thought that winter bikes should be steel. Um, largely because every winter bike I've ever had was steel. And when you look at things like the you know, the Genesis Quad Affair, the Fratello that you've talked about, it still seems the, the, the most popular material there. The reason, of course, being it's really strong. You know, and it, you can potentially fix it if anything happens, which, to be honest, very few people will try and fix it. But if you, if you make it corrosion-proof, take care of it and clean it, I think it's still the best material because it's pretty cheap, strong, and it's, you know, it... it it's very comfy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so convinced myself on steel. That's because you're a young one. I'm an old fogey. Yeah, this is a great material, but the thing is, it was the cheapest option. Now, not necessarily. 
the prices are coming down a bit again as it's getting more popular. And in fact, Ribble now are doing the steel frames again as their options very, very reasonably. But for me, as you say, you don't want to be riding something too old and heavy. You know, you're not necessarily going to want an old touring frame and, and build that up because you're going to be struggling on every hill. And I suppose now I live in Devon, all you've got is hill after hill after hill. So I'm thinking a very lightest build that's still going to be suitable. So for me, um, your old best bike is often very good. You're not necessarily going to have the room for the big fat tires and the mud guards, etc. But it's still a really good option. And in fact, someone on the ride yesterday was saying, yeah, well, this uh, Roubaix is going to get retired to my winter bike when I get my new, my new bike. Mm-hmm. Some really interesting machines out there. Enigma, um, who uh, do sort of lovely titanium frames, they do the attack titanium frame. And this comes with um, mud guards and room for top fat tyres and you know, you've got the deep drop brakes with it. And obviously, it's um, sort of two two thousand, you know, for that. So it's a, it's a very expensive winter bike. So it's not going to be for everyone. But I'd see no reason why not to to ride that. Well, you could argue that titanium's the perfect winter material because it doesn't corrode. Yes, it's corrosion proof. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another one that really caught my eye again at the high end is the Pearson. It's called I'll Get Me Coat. <laughs> it's over three thousand pounds, so it's more than most people's good bikes. I know. But again, it's it's got titanium race frame, it's got mudguard compatibility, rack compatibility. But if you take that mudguard, those mudguards and that rack off, you'd never be able to tell. Yeah, I mean, my good friend um, Stuart, who lives down the road in Inner Leaven, has got an Enigma, and it's it's one of the most beautifully built frames I've ever seen in my life. I mean, top-notch stuff, the equal of any custom builder. Which I mean, we're talking about high-end bikes here and if we are going to talk about high-end winter bikes you should actually consider some of the great builders we've got working in the UK because you could spec exactly you know what what add-ons you want in your frame if you want a rack or mudguards or all that kind of thing you know so the bespoke builder still has a place in this oh yeah I mean again it's not going to be the cheapest option but if you've got the money to splash out then it's a really really good idea if you want to break into the bike trade, train your staff, or even learn some new skills just for fun, Cycle Systems Academy has a course for you. Our graduates come to us from all over the globe and train with us to gain the highest recognized cycle mechanic qualifications available. The bike industry supports and believes in Cycle Systems Academy, which means they'll believe in you too. Now, big question. Uh, I see an awful lot of people riding cyclocross bikes in the winter. Yeah. You know, they've got the clearance for big tyres. Most of them come with brazones now, even, you know, fairly race-oriented ones. Um, do you think that's a decent solution? Well, I've been doing it the last few years, yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a great... I mean, I've been riding a, a Ribble a little bit. I've been riding my old best bike a little bit. And I've been riding the cyclocross bike over with a little bit as well. And um, it's absolutely great because you've got a nice, relaxed geometry. As you say, you've got all the clearances on some of the frames that are designed for multi-use. You've got the mudguard attachments and such as well. And they tend to be performance-orientated as well, so they're not going to feel horrific. I mean, I actually just had an old tricross frame and had a lovely pro full-carbon fork on there, pro-carbon finishing kit, some nice FSA wheels. And it was it was absolutely fantastic. It, was, it didn't slow me down. You know, it could keep up absolutely no problem. And um, it's cheap. Yeah, and the only thing I've found, because I've tried it a few times, is that the 
the slightly higher bottom bracket feels a wee bit weird when I get back on, you know, the quick bike after the winter. But what it does mean when you live, you know, where you live now or up here in Peebles or whatever, if you see a trail that takes your interest, you can just have off down it. Yeah, tyres permitting, but also on my sort of cross bike, I've got very low gearing. I've got the 34 at the front and 32 at the back on the SRAM Wi-Fi system. And I've got that obviously for riding off-road because you need the low gears off-road. But yesterday I hit a one in four climb, which isn't unusual down in Devon. Yeah, that's called uh, getting off and walking, mate. Well, I was on I was on um, a bike with a 28 at the back, and I felt I was overgeared. I mean that that's absolutely. I, I don't know. I mean I know why you've moved there. It's a beautiful region, but you're going to be fit or dead by the end of the year. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Yeah, I'm <laughs> hoping for the former. Uh, it's just a matter of going out with the local club because they know the roads and they can do the hilly bits before the coffee stop, and then they're not <laughs> downhill blast afterwards. So, I mean, let's round up what we've talked about. Let's look at the the options. Um, the traditional one is to use your old best bike and winterise it. We talked about how to do that last week with the mudguards and that kind of thing. And that is, it's still a really good marketing tool for the, the partner in your life. Because you can say, look, I'm getting all this extra value out of this bike and it served me well during the racing season. So, you know, you can see when I buy my new bike next year, it'll be really good value. So, I mean, it's a good leveraging point as well, and you've got all the contact points exactly where you need them. All you have to do is put mudguards on. Actually, since we talked last week, I've put on the, the Crud Road mudguards, the Mark IIs, um, and I was actually quite impressed, and they fit really tight clearances if need be. So, th- that, I mean, that's a decent solution, and it goes right down fairly far at the back. So, if winterising your normal bike is the first option. Well, the cyclocross bike, you know, coming in, the, the reason I really love it is because not everyone can afford, say, a main bike, a winter bike, a cross bike. So you're having the cyclocross bike, you are getting two bikes for one. You can the knobbly tyres and blast it through the woods and do cross racing. So for me, that's the big advantage of that. And again, I mean, that's a great selling point in these days of, uh, you know, financial scarcity. You can say, look, I'm getting two bikes for the price of one. So, yep, yeah, the, the cyclocross bike's a good solution. My preferred one is still to build it up from a frame set yourself, something like the Kinesis, because it lets you get all of the contact points just perfect. But I think the fact that we can have this discussion and we're not actually arriving at a definitive answer for what's the best one just hammers home what I said a few minutes ago. It's a brilliant time to be a cyclist with all these solutions. Yeah, it's just time to be aware, you know, that the weather's changing and that you are going to have to make some decisions uh, again, after the discussion last week on tyres, the guy got two flats yesterday. What was he riding? Michelin Pro 4s. Yeah, great tyre in the summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't like them that much in the summer with flat tyres and everything, but with all the debris and all the gravel and all the crud all over the roads, it wasn't the best choice. And people just aren't aware of it, it seems. A lot of club riders aren't aware of it. So get everything swapped over or treat yourself to a new bike or get an old bike tarted up. Yeah, and, and do it now. I mean, um, Alan Hinks, one of my heroes, a climber, was posting pictures from the Lake District this morning with some snow on the fells. So there's a, although we've had unseasonably hot weather, I mean, I was in shorts and a T-shirt for a couple of days last week, um, it is starting to turn into winter. So, you know, have a listen to what we've said. 
feel free to ask us any questions on Twitter or email us via velocast.cc at gmail.com um, and we'll try and help if we can. But have a look around. I mean, I'll post the links that we've, of, to the bikes we've talked about and winter's a great time, but you have to be prepared for it with clothing so that you're adequately clothed, but also with a bike. So get out there and enjoy your riding. 